0: Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position by position analysis of the upcoming NFL draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the draft dudes on YouTube or wherever
1: you listen to your favorite podcasts.
2: Who do they think you're going to beat them Bengals?
1: It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you.
2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today, the news is that Billy Price is a left guard and former right guard, off of suspension, Alex Redmond, is working at left tackle, where the Bengals are down to their fourth and fifth options. The Bengals were back to practice today and... The early injury report in Cincinnati indicates that Ryan Glasgow is now not participating in practice again. He had some fluid drained, according to Zach Taylor, from a thigh injury, which makes me think that sounds more like a knee injury, but we'll have to see what's going on with him. A.J. Green, as expected, not practicing. Andre Smith has an ankle injury, which is why we're talking about Alex Redmond at left tackle. Sean Williams didn't practice today either, and Zach Taylor said he might not practice until Friday's walkthrough this week, but he is expected to play. Sounds like he's been playing through injury for quite a while. Kerry Wynn's still out with his concussion, but Alex Erickson and Cordy Glenn, who also had concussions, were limited today in practice, worked on the rehab field. Mike Jordan, limited with an ankle. John Miller, limited with a groin injury. And Nick Vigil, limited with an ankle injury. Randy Bullock even showed up on the injury report for the Bengals today with a back injury, but the big news is that in place of Michael Jordan, who maybe is dealing with that injury,
1: maybe that's affecting his performance, Billy Price will get the start at left guard. And this sounds like a benching for Michael Jordan, the rookie fourth-round pick out of Ohio State, and you could see it that way as if you look at metrics like Pro Football Focus, they rank him as the worst starting guard in the NFL right now. And when you watch and put on the tape, He hasn't been very good. He's looked uh, a little bit too slow. His leverage is a little bit bad. He's playing too tall. And I think sometimes he gets bowled over by bigger defensive tackles. So getting a, a higher profile player in there like Billy Price, even though Price hasn't played well himself, you get him in there and hopefully it gives Price the opportunity to grasp this job, win this job. We've talked about this before two weeks ago because Price did play decent in Buffalo, Uh, But they quickly went back to Michael Jordan. I think after Jordan killed a couple run plays this week, they thought it might be best to uh, sit him for at least the foreseeable future.
2: And he's just been really inconsistent for the Bengals. And that's got to be a struggle for this coaching staff that's looking for its first win. And when you hear Zach Taylor praise players, he generally says things like Trey Hopkins is really consistent. Sam Hubbard is really consistent. And when he puts on the Mike Jordan film and sees how nice he started that game against Arizona with some really good blocks, frankly, on running plays, and then how poorly he played for the rest of the game, that's got to be really frustrating for him. Of course, Andre Smith, I mentioned, also didn't practice, which means John Jerry is likely to start at left tackle. He was really good last week against Arizona. The Baltimore Ravens don't have terribly threatening edge defenders this year for the first time, as far as I can remember. In Baltimore. They played against the most recent good edge defender in Baltimore, uh, Terrell Suggs, last week, and he didn't really do a whole lot. But looking at the matchup this week, it's likely to be John Jerry against Baltimore, and backing him up, it sounds like will be Alex Redmond, who we've only seen play guard in the NFL.
1: That's right, but some believed he could have been a tackle coming out of UCLA at 6 foot 5, 295 pounds with 33 and a quarter inch arms. That's decent measurement size for a tackle. And when we saw him play guard, he was up to 330 pounds and you can see he was a bigger, stronger, mauling type of guard that lacked the quickness and foot speed. And I wonder if that's because he was carrying the extra weight. If he's an average athlete to begin with, carrying another 30 to 35 pounds, which it sounds like now he's back down to 295 Maybe he can regain some of that quickness that he had from his college days. And if he's practicing and working at left tackle, sure. I mean, we've got a bunch of guards playing there or right tackles playing there now as it is. According to Ben Baby, this isn't
2: atypical for Jim Turner, who likes to move players from guard to tackle, dating back to his time at AM. I haven't looked into that myself, but Ben Baby covered Texas sports for quite a while, and he's trustworthy on that note. Switching gears here though the Baltimore Ravens also have a very lengthy injury report today with their stars on offense their star playmakers at least Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown both out of practice with a shoulder and ankle injury respectively. This has been a pattern for Marquise Brown I expect him to play he's missed a lot of Wednesdays this year and continued on to play later in the week. But Patrick Owasso didn't practice today with an ankle injury, and neither did Jimmy Smith. But Owasso is particularly noteworthy because there are no linebackers on this Ravens team. The Ravens had to sign Josh Bynes off the street last week, and he had a really good game. He had an interception graded really well for PFF, but that's what the Ravens are down to at linebackers. So a far cry from the defenses we're used to in Baltimore.
1: Yeah, hopefully a lot of these guys don't play for Baltimore if they're banged up now. But it's Wednesday, and this can be typical for a few players. Earl Thomas is one of them that's been getting a Veterans Day rest every week. Uh, So we'd like to knock down the Ravens. That'd be great. That's a division rival. But at the same time, I think just on paper, looking at their team versus the Bengals team, I'm not feeling great about this one just heading in. Let's see if those injuries start to affect the Ravens as they have affected the Bengals all year. The home teams in this rivalry have a big advantage. We'll
2: see if that changes this weekend. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of
0: anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real
2: game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: It's midweek before the big Ravens game. Will the Bengals get their first win of the year? Will they fall to 0-6? That and more questions as you guys submitted them on Twitter. And we're going to start with our guy over here, Evan McPhillips of PFF. And he goes, I know it's early, but who do you like better as far as a fit for the Bengals system? Justin Herbert, Tua, or Joe Burrow? Now he he says this is early and he understands this. Jake, do you have a favorite already? I have favorites. I, I
2: don't know that I think that any of these guys are particularly great fits for what Zach Taylor wants to do. I think Zach Taylor wants Jake Fromm, that kind of quarterback. And looking at this list, from what I've seen, I think Joe Burrow is probably closest to that, even though Burrow probably is a bit more of a playmaker than Fromm is in terms of his willingness to take shots downfield. So when you add Herbert and Tua into the mix, I think out of these three guys, Tua is the least fit candidate, in my opinion, but the best quarterback so far in terms of the things that he brings to a football team and the things that I want out of a football player. I haven't seen enough of Joe Burrow And Justin Herbert is just such a roller coaster that I'm kind of scared off him right now. And before the last couple weeks, I might have been more on him as QB two, And now I'm not quite sold on it. I think he might need certainly a year to develop at the next level, even if
1: he comes out, you know, and, and somebody wants to draft him second. So here are my comps for the top two guys, because I've seen enough of them, even though it is early and we've got the climax of the story still to go. We've got the the ending of their college football careers, right? So we still need to see that. Do they go to the playoffs? Do they win a championship? Those are big games in the evaluation. But as for types and what they can do and who they remind me of, Tua is Russell Wilson. He's not some out of structure like guy that just only that only succeeds out of structure. He is very good within the system of Alabama, mm-hmm. but but Alabama is surrounding him with A plus premium cut talent. So it's kind of hard to gauge that sometimes. You know what I mean? Because the guys are always open because there's always someone there.
2: Two receivers that
1: could get drafted in the top 15 easily. They could have three guys that go in the top 40. And so... Justin Herber is Carson Wentz, in my opinion. He's got the high upside. He's got a strong arm. He can move. He's got a lot of high-variance plays in him, but he's got a lot of funky plays where you just go, why did you miss that throw? But he can throw from off-platform. He can move around. He can create things that I think uh, he needs a system that will accentuate those high-end talents, and maybe you can get a Carson Wentz type of player out of that. I don't know on Burrow yet because he was so different last year for this year, I think a major part of his evaluation still has to go in these final six or whatever games it is. But I would say out of those two, either of them fit. I think you would fit either of those guys to your system. Those two go top five in any draft class. It, this is a good draft class for quarterbacks. Uh, so I, I think they would fit, and either of those would be great picks.
2: In terms of fitting an NFL team, I agree with you. In terms of fitting, I just have this concern in my head that— Zach Taylor wants a quarterback like Andy Dalton, like Jared Goff. And I think none of these Ryan guys, Finley. sure. None of these guys are really that we're talking about now are really in that school. Like you said, there's a lot of variance to Herbert's game. And I agree with that to a great within the structure outside the structure, but he's also surrounded by at least two skill guys that are going to be receiver ones for their respective NFL teams. As our current trajectory yep. suggests. And Burrow, I agree with you 100%. When somebody asked me about Burrow earlier this week, I said he plays Florida, Auburn, and Alabama in the next four weeks. Ask me on November 10th yep. after he's played those four teams, and we can talk yes. about Joe Burrow a lot more.
1: Those will be the only four games worth watching unless they get to the championship playoff games. So we haven't even, you could say we haven't even watched this season yet. And you may say that's unfair, but those are going to be the games that GMs watch first. And so we got to get there first. But a last point on the quarterbacks, because we're going to talk about them probably at least once a week from here on out, I'll give you an update on how they did, because I think people are interested, obviously, based on the questions. But if 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 Zach Taylor is that kind of guy who wants the quarterback that's going to run his system and not go crazy or go outside of it, then maybe Zach Taylor's not the guy for us. We want the best quarterback possible that can make plays and create and have Zach Taylor mold it to him.
2: And then when you talk about those coaches, give me somebody out of the Andy Reid tree. Sure. Next question comes from Paul Tomasulo. How does the Bengals defense get fixed
1: in 2020, Joe? So fixed. Here's the major issue, right? We know it's linebacker. Um, It's going to continue to be linebacker until they can add some athleticism and some talent. We're going to see more Jermaine Pratt. Maybe he's one of those guys. You have to find another one at some point. Other than that, I like a lot of their pieces, but a lot of them are playing worse than expected. I sound like a broken record because this is what we complained about with Marvin Lewis. I feel like there's a lot of turnover that could still happen with this defensive roster, even if it may not be warranted. If they keep Luana Rumo and and staff, I think there's a chance they don't keep Luana Rumo. They're on a bad pace so, so far through five games. And if that's the case, then this question needs to be asked again once we decide who the defensive coordinator is.
2: I think linebackers a big part of it. I think the defensive line is going to need some new pieces, judging from what we've seen so far this year. And again, we said the same thing last year. Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins are getting older. This is the same defense we saw last year. So it's the same answer as it was last year. They need yep. speed at linebacker. They need to continue to make sure they have depth and skill at corner Safety we think should hypothetically be okay, but maybe they need to replace Jesse Bates all of a sudden. We don't know yet. And we know what those answers are. And we know that Luana Rumo's had a tough go of it with this group of guys. Maybe Luana Rumo isn't a bad coach. Maybe it's the personnel that he has available to him. We won't really know that until
1: I don't know when. <laughs> frankly. Right. And and maybe it's more of a transition period where, because I you know, look at the PF. Grades from last year to this year, a lot of guys are down on the Bengals. And I went and looked at safeties from last year. And this, remember, last year's class was really good. A lot of second uh, day two guys were really, really good for their teams as rookies. I went back and all of their grades are down. Now, Jesse Bates is the furthest down out of all of those guys. But it does show that maybe sophomore slump for a safety is a thing. And uh, maybe they're being attacked and, 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 you know, their weaknesses are on film, much like you would for a quarterback. And you really put safeties and middle linebackers in conflict when you're designing your offense. So that would make sense if offenses are now starting to attack Jesse Bates wherever he is weak.
2: I'm curious about those PFF trends. You started to look into my question, I think, a little bit of what's going on league-wide year to year right now. And I just went to look at Jabil Prepper's gig because I thought I've heard his name quite a bit for the Giants. He's still middle of the pack kind of guy. What's our next question, Joe?
1: It's from Larry Turner. He says, basically in the same vein as Paul, but do you have any hope for this offensive line in 2020 or will there have to be major changes?
2: I do have hope for this offensive line in 2020. And those hopes are pinned on the shoulders of Jonah Williams and whoever they sign or draft to play right tackle. And the hope that Trey Hopkins continues to be a solid top 10 center as he's been this year, that he's extended as a result of that. And then they just had to figure out right guard, left guard. I don't think that they have long-term answers there. That should be hypothetically easier to fix than the tackle position in the middle rounds of a draft. Teams do it every year. But here's the reasons to not have hope is that we don't know if Jim Turner knows what he's doing. He's never coached a good offensive line in the NFL, and the Bengals have just been really bad at addressing this position really since they drafted Clint Bowling, would you say?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That year when they drafted Clint Bowling, it was Bobby Williams as right guard, and Bobby Williams ended up missing the year. Clint Bowling um, was bad as a rookie, and they were really bad on the interior offensive line that year. It wasn't until the following year, year two, where Clint Bowling was much better, and then they figured out Kevin Zeitler um, shortly after that. I believe that was the 2012 draft. So quickly they figured out guard within a year.
2: But they, they picked Zeitler over DeCastro.
1: And... Nah, I mean, sort of, right. They traded back and allowed the Steelers to take De Castro. I agree. It, you don't do that. That's like taking Billy Price over James Daniels. And, and even though Zeitler worked out, he wasn't transcending the way – or transcendent the way DeCastro is. Yeah. Do you have anything to
2: add to the hope for 2020?
1: No, it's on Jonah and Trey Hopkins and maybe Billy Price as a guard. And if he is, and he's a first-round pick, and you're actually getting quality play out of him, that would be a huge boost from left to center. You know, left tackle to center, you could actually have a good trio over there. And John Miller so far has been serviceable. He's been the second-best player on the line, I would say. And... If he's your worst guy next year, that's a good thing.
2: I just, you know, have a little bit of concern with right tackle with Jonah missing a full year. What's that going to do to his development? Sure. We'll have to find out. I'm just sick of Bengals' first-round picks missing a year. Let's just get somebody healthy through a goddamn rookie year. Next question comes from Andrew at Andrew88G. Do you really want Tua or do you just want the first overall pick, Joe?
1: I really want Tua. Tua would go top three in any quarterback class. Now he's not Andrew Luck. He's not you know, he's not the home run. He's not Lawrence. He's not even Fields next year. That's Surprisingly, that could actually be a better class than this year. But this is a really, really good class, and a lot of people think Tua is the number one guy. And it's probably going to be an 80-20 split, maybe a 70-30 for Herbert. Yeah, Herbert's going to get some love because he's tall and he's a righty, as weird as that sounds. Uh, but I do think Tua is everything you want Because he's good in system, he's extremely accurate, he's got a strong arm, a quick release, and when things break down or when he has to move, he is exciting and can make a lot of plays. He's not Kyler Murray in terms of running, he's veteran Russell Wilson, in my opinion, where he makes guys miss, he creates space, he creates uh, time to throw the ball and let plays develop. I want to uh, if he's available. I agree. He
2: just seems like such a smart player. He throws with great anticipation. He throws his guys open. He throws with great touch. Like you said, he's accurate. He's accurate downfield. A whole lot of traits I really like. Love the way he uses his eyes. A lot of things to really like about Tua, the prospect. We'll have to learn how to say his name. We'll, we'll get and, to that uh, next No, it's week.
1: always going to be Tua. Yeah. That's it will just be Tua forever. <laughs> <laughs> next question from next Alex Briggsby. And this is kind of a fun question because I think he's joking here. Out of the current 53-man roster, who would be the 53rd player in line for the left tackle job? And this is very important because we may get there eventually.
2: John Ross. John
1: Ross. I mean, Randy Bullock would be a better left tackle than John Ross just based on weight.
2: Yeah, I think he's got
1: a couple pounds on John Ross.
2: (laughs) Uh, William Jackson, Drake Kirkpatrick, all those perimeter guys would be terrible.
1: Yeah. The thin guys that just, they've got no business in their blocking. I Nick mean, John Herzel. Ross is a decent block, Yeah, <laughs> because, no, he can't get off blocks, so maybe he'd be great on the offensive line. He can't get his hands on any. All
2: right, our next question comes from Sean Mosser. Do you think we'll start to see Pratt more now that it's time to start evaluating what's on the team?
1: Yes, we will, eventually, if not this week. Lou and via Bengals.com, Jeff Hobson, he said – we will see young players, and he mentioned rookies. So I would assume that's Jermaine Pratt on the defensive side. Maybe it's Renau-Ren also, but I don't think that we need to see him right now. But I'd like to eventually. I do think we'll see Pratt, and I hope it's not a situation where he gets in because I think I like what I've seen so far. And I hope it's not a situation where he gets in and we go, what were you guys doing for five weeks? Play him.
2: I don't know what I hope. I hope he's good.
1: But yeah, I I also... part of it.
2: I also don't want to feel like they were just screwing around for, yeah, like you said, for five weeks not playing him. Yeah, I think we'll start to see some of the young guys more. Jermaine Pratt was specifically called out and has been promoted by Bengals.com this week, so I think we'll definitely start to see some more of him. I'm not sure who else you really want to see at this point, though. Maybe some more snaps from Drew Sample. We don't really want to see any more of Michael Jordan for at least a few weeks until we know if Billy Price can be a good left guard. I don't know yeah. who else we want to see.
1: Darius That's Phillips it, really. is hurt.
2: We're seeing the undrafted Andrew rookies. Andrew Brown's getting playing time. Yeah, I would like to continue right. to see that. Kerry Winstone, in the concussion protocol, so we can expect that. But the I, I would like to see the young talent do better, whoever it is. We've got some more questions to get to in just a minute. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to MyBookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. MyBookie offers a variety of options depending on your style of betting. You can bet on games after kickoff if by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can take the other side and recoup your cash. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit mybookie.ag today to play so you win and get paid.
0: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Diving right back in. The next question is from Analytic Reds Fan. He asks, has the Bengals O-line been bad enough to replace Jim Turner after this year?
2: You're preaching to the choir there a little bit. I think, I think Joe so. and I are both sitting here thinking like, yeah, I hope so. We don't like Jim Turner either. But Zach Taylor, he, he's a guy that says the right thing. He's going to be supportive of everybody on the staff, of all the players on the team. He talks about liking, you know, thinking Alex Redmond is up to the task of playing left tackle, which I couldn't ever say with a straight face. Frankly, but Zach Taylor did it in a press conference today. So
1: we're gonna we're, see it.
2: If if John Jerry has an injury, I think we will see it. But knock on wood, I guess. But
1: no, I think we're gonna see it even without Jerry injured. Oh no! Oh, yeah. Oh no! It may happen. That aside.
2: I think we will have a very hard time getting a read on the future coaching staff if Zach Taylor sticks around until after this season because Zach Taylor is going to say publicly that you know he's worked with Luana Rumo, he's worked with Jim Turner, and he trusts them and he likes them. And then we Mm. won't know, I think, until something changes. I don't think he's going to come out and tell you, hey, guys, we're going into the next six weeks of the season here. The offensive line hasn't been good. We're evaluating Jim Turner's job. You're not going to get that from Zach Taylor.
1: No if anything there was hope that they were going to hire bill callahan this offseason callahan was trying to get out of his, his contract in washington we see what kind of um tire fire that turned into there there was even whispers at the time that the Bengals considered compensation to get callahan and then once everything shook out and it was turner and it was somebody turner was somebody that um zach taylor knew i was like okay maybe the You know, maybe the back channels were wrong on this. Maybe it wasn't right. And then now it's something to watch again as as Washington's burning down and Callahan is the interim head coach there. If things don't go right or if they go great, maybe he takes the head coaching job there. But if not, he will be out there, and I could see that happening. And that would be huge. You want to talk about pinning your hopes on the offensive line in 2020? Get one of the top three O-line coaches in the NFL, and that would do it.
2: They just got to go hire Bill Belichick and Skarnakia. That's all. And then it'll be fine. Next question comes from Brandon at Briscoe B on Twitter. If you could only pick five, which players are you building the Bengals future around Joe?
1: Well, I think this is getting easier to answer as a lot of the young guys aren't playing as well as we expect. I think number one for me is Tyler Boyd right now. Not only is Tyler Boyd extended through 2023 He's 25 years old. He is producing. He's on pace to break the Bengals' receptions record in one season, on pace for 818 catches and 1,300 yards. That's pretty freaking good. I'd like to keep him for the foreseeable future in that next window. Jonah Williams is the other one, and maybe he's number one, maybe he's not. I don't know if I have to rank these, but I give me Jonah Williams as one of the guys going forward. I know we haven't seen him, but, I mean, truth be told, you spent the number nine overall pick. Or 11 overall pick. I'd like to have him. I don't remember where they picked this year. Look at me already. Anyways, going to the defensive side, I'd like to keep William Jackson and consider William Jackson one of those pieces. He has to be extended if they feel so. I still think Jackson's playing good, even though he's not playing to the full potential. He's still only allowing about 57% completions in his area. Still not getting targeted that often. I don't have a problem with Jackson really. Uh, I just think he can play much better than he has. I still want to say Jesse Bates. So I'm at 4 already and I think Bates if he rebounds he's still level. One. what he showed last year looked like a cornerstone player and if that's if that ability is still in there then which it should be it doesn't look like there's anything wrong it just looks like he's messing up if you know what I mean. It's not you know it's not that he, he all of a sudden looks slow or or he's afraid to tackle it's it's not that he's just Messing up more than normal. So that's four. I think those are your four foundation pieces. And I'm going to add for the last one, it's going to be, um, and maybe this is still on hopes because he hasn't played well this year yet, I would say Carl Lawson. And that's because I think it's hard to find edge rushers. I think it's hard to find edge rushers like him that can produce at a high level like he does unless you're picking high in the draft. And uh, with the other guys being older in age, some people may say, why not Sam Hubbard? I don't think Hubbard's played well enough this year. I think he has more limited upside than Lawson does. I think, if anything, Hubbard may be better against the run, even though he hasn't shown it this year. How sad is it that it's actually kind of difficult to get to five now? That's the issue. That's that's why, when I, I did this in my head last week, when I right before I got to the window is is far. It's out of reach again.
2: Yeah. So I agree with you for sure on the first three in particular. And then after that, I'm concerned about Carl Lawson and Jesse Bates. Yeah, I think you probably still have to include Bates based on his rookie season and you hope that he gets to a system or figures it out and it kind of just falls back into place. And then Carl Lawson I need to see that he can still do it. He's coming off of... He's had two ACL surgeries now. He's not been great when he's been on the field this season, although he was excellent in the preseason. So we've seen that it's still there, but I need to see that he can do it long-term. I don't know who that fifth guy is, though, if it's not Carl Lawson, because I agree with you that I don't think it is Sam Hubbard. And then I want to say, well, the next best performer... It's Joe Trey Mixon. Hopkins. Oh, okay. But do you want to build around a center? Or and, a running back? <laughs> yeah, neither, really. I, I I thought about Joe Mixon, too, but then you're, I mean, what team has successfully built around a running back? Carolina. That's it.
1: Right. And even the Rams, you saw what happened when Gurley was out last year. It made no impact on them at all.
2: Yeah, I mean, you. you this goes back years now, right? The Steelers yes. lose Le'Veon Bell a couple times, and whoever it doesn't is, matter. Uh, what's well, Williams? Um, yeah, for a couple of years, and and then James Connor, and there's just no drop off.
1: That tends to be the case when the same system is in place to keep the offensive line relatively healthy and good. You can plug almost any decently talented running back in, even for elite guys, and get good production. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. Trey Hopkins, though, I would extend him, and if he is extended, then I would probably include him in that five because of having viewing that window being 2021 20, through 2025. If he's extended through that or into it like 2023, I'd probably put Hopkins in there. He's playing really well. Last question I have here is from Trey Atwood. He says, how do you feel about Carlos Dunlap and Dre Kirkpatrick saying trading players will only hurt the team? That's true in the
2: short term, right? Right. If you trade AJ Green, if you trade Geno Atkins, if you trade Carlos Dunlap, it's going to piss people off in the locker room and they're going to be sitting there thinking, why didn't you do this in the offseason? Why are you doing this at all? Why are we giving up? Why are you Mm -hmm. trading my friends? Why are you trading the best players on this team? Where are we going? And all the veterans on the team are going to be like, okay, that's it. We got to go find other teams. Let's get requests for trades into our agent. If they're under contract long-term, let's get to free agency and get out of here. But that's where a lot of us think this team is where they need to use those assets that aren't part of the next window as we talked about that's two years away i mean compare this to our last question who are the five guys you're going to build around we had a hard time getting there and maybe there's seven young guys that you feel good about being a quarter if you include mixon if you include guys like uh jesse bates for sure carl lawson uh sam hubbard but most of those guys either haven't played great this year or, you know, they're not premium positions, center and, and halfback. Right. So there's not premium talent to build around. It's not like you have an Aaron Donald to build this team around, right? Right. That's mm-hmm. not on this team right now. So the rebuild is going to take some time. And that's why you start to think about these trades. So, yeah, I mean, it would hurt in the short term for sure, but we didn't get the roster churn when we had a new coaching staff come in. And I'm still waiting for that other shoe to drop.
1: Yeah, and that's why this is part of a larger um, discussion, I think. That's why players aren't in charge of personnel, because they wouldn't make the correct decision. It's why any employee at, at your job isn't in, in charge of personnel. They wouldn't make the right choices. You know these people. You know them too well. They're your friends, the family, really, in, in some respects. Uh, so, of course, losing those guys that are some of the best players on your team would be bad. I mean, I, I wouldn't. There's, all, there's a part of all of us, and no matter how you feel about this, that wouldn't like it, that would hate to see them go. You would realize the team would be much worse without them and way less exciting for the time being. But it is all about that window of opportunity and when it'll open again and will these guys even be a part of those teams. And I think you quickly come to the understanding that they won't be, most of them. Uh, and if that's the case, well, you got to do what you can to maximize that window. And for the Bengals, a team that majority, I mean, heavy-handedly build through the draft. You need as many draft picks as possible in a four-year span in order to maximize that four-year window until they have to start signing guys and extending guys. Similar to 2011 through 2013-ish, they crushed those three drafts, and they had a lot of picks, especially 2012. They look at it, right, after trading Carson Palmer, having that extra first and second, a bunch of multiple picks after trading um, Chad Ochocinco and Keith Rivers. Those picks brought them good players, Kevin Zeitler, Giovanni Bernard, uh, Marvin Jones. If, without trading those veterans, how, what does the 2014-15 team look like without those guys? They're not good, not as good. They're not nearly as good. So it, it's all about give and take. You sell a little bit now in order to maximize a window while the Bengals can. And for the franchise that hamstrungs or fights with one arm behind their back, it's extra important for them to employ this this tactic, in my opinion.
2: And I think more than ever before, my outcry about their inactivity in free agency is going to peak next year, because the, the last four years, and especially this year, just needs to be a loud and clear lesson that the approach doesn't work, that their right. reliance on their own guys, that's how you get to 0-5. Yeah, somebody asked you on Twitter, I think, you said, maybe Marvin Lewis has this team 2-3 and three right now. Right. But who cares? Right, right like, exactly. You know, maybe maybe that sort of system gets you that that consistency gets you to eight eight and eight every year. But I mean, so so maybe that means Zach Taylor isn't the guy. That's neither here nor there. But the approach to free agency has to change because the talent on this team is at a low that I can't remember since Carson
1: Palmer has been on this right. team. And think about this. So propose this now. If you knew or if we knew that the approach to free agency was going to drastically change and they would become active players in free agency, do you think about this window or this rebuild much differently, right? You may not have to trade, guys. You may not have to trade some of these guys because if you get the right quarterback in here— and you can have this team with a good roster for 2020, 2021, I just think if you if they said, hey, we're going to sign a right tackle, we're actually going to go out and sign a defensive end or a linebacker, you bring in those starters where you're like, okay, this team's not so bad. You draft a quarterback, and I feel really good about them competing. I don't need to trade Geno Atkins at that point. I'm, I Let's extend A.J. Green and surround him, uh, this quarterback, with premium talent. I, I would think of it much differently, but because their approach isn't that – in free agency, you don't feel like they're going to come and bring in a high-level high, high level starter in any of these need positions. It makes it very abundantly clear that you need as many picks, in my opinion, in a short window.
2: I agree with what Joe's saying there. That's going to do it, though, for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow as the Bengals gear up to take on the Ravens in Week 6 on the road in Baltimore. Have a good one, Bengals fans.
0: Hey, Prime members!